This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Time for a visit with Nero Wolfe, that brilliant oversized eccentric armchair detective created in 1934 by American mystery writer Rex Stout. Wolfe was born in Montenegro and keeps his past murky. He lives in a luxurious brownstone on West 35th Street in New York City, and he's loath to leave his home for business or anything that would keep him from reading his books, tending his orchids, or eating the gourmet meals prepared by his personal chef. Here's the episode that was first aired in 1950, Dear Dead Lady. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolfe. It's the adventure of the case of the dear dead lady with that brilliant eccentric private detective, orchid fancier and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolfe. Starring Sidney Greenstreet. Nero Wolf had just come downstairs, having tended to his precious orchid. He was, as usual, seated in the library, which served as the office. He had just dialed a phone number and, with his eyes closed, was leaning back in his specially built chair, which was big enough for two, but not two of him. Mr. Halsberger, this is Nero Wolf. Oh, oh, yeah, Mr. Wolf. I was just about to ring you. Well, I have need of two pounds of duck liver. Uh-huh. I do not, of course, refer to the commercialized Strasbourg pate. Well, I appreciate the order, Mr. Wolf, but... Uh... Next, my cook, Fritz, informs me that we require three fine fat geese. Look, Mr. Wolf, there's a little matter of an unpaid... You bill. might add 12 cases of beer, a bushel of Vermont apples, green for stuffing, and a gallon of Marquisa Patrisa Roman oil. In addition, Fritz has listed six dozen eggs, four braces of Sussex woodcock, and a few pounds of Westphalian ham. You have all that? I I can get it, Mr. Wolf, but my bookkeeper... Thanks very much, Mr. Hartsbracker. That will be all. Now. Now then, Archie. Yes, boss? You seem to be worried. Oh, I am. This means naturally that I'm supposed to handle Hartsbracker's delivery boy when and if he shows. I had thought of leaving a simple matter to you. And what about the simple matter of the money? Money? I I hate to bring up a vulgar subject, but where is it coming from? 
Oh, of course. You're right, Archie. I should have said... Said that... what? Charge it. Boss, look, you don't realize, I know, but we're into that truffle broker for 500-odd bucks and change. All right. All right. Then give him a check. Okay. Okay, I will give him a check. And I hope they'll let you keep the orchids in your cell. You're a wit, Archie. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on the bank's mailing list. We got a notice this morning. You don't mean... Oh, but I do. Again? Yeah, you just can't take money out of an account, boss. Sometimes you got to put some in. This is the only way to deal with the man I work for, and if I hadn't thrown him that scare, he wouldn't have been willing to listen when the door buzzer rang and a prosperous-looking young guy in the kind of clothes that don't grow on trees came in and stood in front of the boss's chair, fiddling with the brim of his pork pie. My name is Oliphant, Mr. Wolf. Oliphant? Uh, yes, sir, Oliphant. I am the spiritual leader and guiding head of a small religious group known as the Seekers of the Inner Power. Ah, I see. Also a man addicted to marrying neither wisely nor well, but often. You read the papers. I do. Um, Mr. Wolf, I am as aware of my sin-ridden past as anyone else is. The point is that I'm no longer that kind of man. Even a person such as I can see the light in time. Good. Might I ask why you've come to see me, Mr. Oliphant? I need your help, Mr. Wolf. Concerning? A certain young lady with whom I'm deeply in love. Oh, I beg you not to confuse the present emotion with any of my earlier escapades. What I feel for Miss Dana is the pure and righteous glow of an upright seeker of the inner power. I promise to look on you as thoroughly redeemed, Mr. Oliver. Proceed. Oh, by the way, do I recognize the name of your young lady as a Park Avenue socialite, an amateur swimming champion? Yes. But she's sweet, wonderful, beautiful. I've asked her to marry me, and she's given me some hope. In time, I fully expect to make her my wife. Well, then where's the problem? The problem is the presence of another man in her life. I'm sorry, sir. I'm a detective, not a matchmaker. This isn't a question of making a match, Mr. Wolf. I have much too much respect for your talents to think of offering you such an assignment. Exactly. What do you want me to do? I want you to save Ilse Dana's life. A life? Mr. Wolf, this other man I spoke of is insanely jealous. Not only of Ilse's present, but of her past as well. He has threatened to kill her. I don't doubt your earnestness in this matter, Mr. Oliphant, but how would you know... I was listening on an extension in Miss Dana's apartment a few days ago when Hunter called. Hunter? Yes, sir. Jack Hunter. Known as Jack the Babe Hunter. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I know that canvas back. Huh? Sure. He's a coffee and cake prelim waltz. Oh, he's not. He's a boxer. Archie is being fancy. Overlook it, Mr. Oliphant. Is Hunter in love with this lady of yours? I doubt it. He's a man of complete moral and spiritual corruption, I believe. Naturally, you would. But what are the facts? In my opinion, he's after her for her money. She has money? To burn. And you, Mr. Oliphant? Me. Can you also afford to burn? How much do you want? The answer to that would be astronomical. However, if you leave a check for, say, $7,000, I shall look into your matter the very moment I have completed a little research into the nutrition of the Polynesian orchid. Elephant's check gave our bank account a slight blood transfusion. I think it was the boss's plan to spend a week or two in the plant room before he got busy on the case. And he'd have done it, too, if that phone call hadn't come in about a little after nine, just after Wolf had polished off one of Fritz's dinners and was settling back with a stein of beer in his hand. Don't disturb yourself, Archie. I'll get it. Yeah, well, 
you don't strain yourself, boss. You got to straighten out an elbow to reach that receiver. You have an unfortunate flair for mixing humor with impertinence, my friend. Hello, Nero Wolf speaking. This is Elsa Dana, Mr. Wolf. How do you do, Miss Dana? We were discussing you only this morning. So I've heard. Through whom? Ted Oliphant. I see. The young man seemed to be quite worried about you. The young man should tend to his own affairs. Said you were in some danger. I know what he said. And not one word of it was true. Oh? Uh, I'd like to talk to you, Mr. Wolf. I'm sure it'll be an immense pleasure. Where do you live? I have an apartment at uh, 22 Blanton Street. Could you be here soon? I could be there in a quarter of an hour, Miss Dana. By proxy, of course. The proxy, naturally, was yours truly. Ten minutes later, at twenty past nine, I walked up to Ilsa Dana's door with a nosy elevator boy giving me the double O. The reason for his interest was that her door was open and the room inside was empty except for a little twisted pile of pale pink satin which at close range turned out to be a woman. Which woman turned out to be Ilsa Dana? And Ilsa Dana was dead. She used to be pretty. She isn't now. Yeah, strangulation doesn't help any girl's looks, son. Make anything of it? Well, the position of her body and the bloodstains on her pointed fingernails tells me that she put up a tough struggle before somebody succeeded in smothering with a pillow from the sofa over there. Yeah, that figures... When did it happen, I wonder? In the last 15 minutes, I'd guess. Say, who's been up in the elevator this evening? Nobody for her. Well, somebody came up. Well, who says not? They could have used the stairs, you know. Yeah. How well do you know Miss Dana? I know exactly zero about Miss Dana. How could you write her up and down every day and know nothing about her? It's a rule of the house to keep your mouth shut. The rule also goes when being questioned by a cop. A cop? Who's a cop? Oh, I guess you're a cello player from the Philharmonic. Look, I happen to work for a guy named Nero Wolf. Oh. Heard of him? Maybe. Well, if your memory comes alive, son, I might see my way clear to uh, spend a few dollars with you. Understand? I'll keep you in mind. Going down, mister? <laughs> I spent time trying to get sense out of the superintendent and a set of chambermaids, but they were as quiet as a ballpark on Christmas Eve. Then I called the cops and told them about Oliphant and Hunter. By the time I got home, the house was dark and Nero Wolf was sleeping. Next morning, I gave him the details while he drank three bottles of beer. When I finished, he sat for a long time and then started another bottle. The prize fighter. What about the prize fighter, Archie? Hunter? Well, I, I phoned the hotel he lives in before you got up. And? They told me he wasn't in. Hmm. You know, I begin to think that Mr. Oliphant brought us a more absorbing case than he suspected. You know, I'm glad you like it. I don't like it. I don't like work of any variety. But this thing has its points. Well, what do we do next? Next, we investigate my client. What? Merely because the reform playboy employs a detective doesn't exempt him from suspicion. Oh, now who's that? I'm afraid we have no choice but to open the door and see. My name is Young. Basto Young. It's nice meeting you, Mr. Young. What do you want? I want to see Nero Wolf. About? Uh, about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. What? Will you repeat that? I want to see Mr. Wolf about a certain young lady with whom I am deeply in love. 
Her name, please? Ilsa Dana. Is it possible that you entertain plans of making her your wife? Why, I... Yes, but uh, there's a problem involved. Another man? Uh, yes. Well, and... do come in. Do come in. I think we've been waiting for you. Oh, Mr. Wolf. Here's another one. Ah, Mr. Wolf. You've come to me about Miss Ilsa Dana, sir? I have come to you more specifically about a man who has threatened her life. Hmm. How unusual. He's the treacherous kind. Mild-mannered, you know. As we say in my profession, he underplays it. Your profession, then, is the stage. It is, sir. Go on, you interest me deeply. I was present recently when he told her that he would certainly kill her unless she mended her sinful ways. Sinful? No one denies that Ilsa has had, uh, shall we say, a checkered career. But the man's attitude is totally fanatical. What's his particular brand of fanaticism, Mr. Young? Theodore Oliphant is a religious maniac. Well, what do you know? He's come to give Theodore a bad report card. I don't understand. I, I've come to ask Mr. Wolfe to prevent his murdering Miss Dana. Am I allowed a direct question, sir? Why, of course. Where were you between 9 and 9.20 p.m. last night? 9 and 9.20? Why do you ask? You said I was permitted a direct question. Oh, well, I was walking in the uh, park, as I remember. Do you make a habit of walking in the park? I have lately. I'm preparing for an important role in the forthcoming production. What's so important about last night? From your point of view, a great deal, sir. Well, what do you mean? Last night, Miss Ilsa Dana was murdered. What? Mr. Goodwin here discovered the body. No. I'm afraid I must insist, Mr. Young... Oh, why, why are you looking at me like that? Uh, are you accusing me of a... I have uh, accused you of nothing, my dear sir. Well, now, look, you're making a mistake. Oliphant killed her. You may be sure of that. I have your word. I know him. He was trying to reform her. I wanted to make her a devout follower of his cult, the Seekers of Power. I heard him tell her to her face that if she refused redemption... He would see to it that she didn't live on in her wickedness. You could produce other witnesses? Do you know, in your own smug way, you're as detestable a character as I have ever had. All right, all right. Let's everybody take five. Yeah? Nero Wolf? He's busy. This is Archie Goodwin. You'll do, Goodwin. This is Jack the Babe Hunter. Oh? Uh, how are you? Great. Except the cops seem to want to talk to me about some murder fandango because, as I get it, you named my name. You got it wrong. I doubt it, and I'm coming over there to set you straight. Why'd you ring me in on this mess, Wolf? You knew the girl pretty well. Me and how many more? Besides, what time was she murdered? Last night, between 9 and 9.20. See. So if you will inform the police where you were at the time, that should be that. Yeah. By the way, Mr. Hunter, where were you at the time? I don't see your badge, Wolf. I was only wondering. I haven't been near the Dana woman for over a month. But if you're really interested, I'll give you the name of the killer. Please do not keep us in suspense, Mr. Hunter. A couple of years back, Ilsa financed a guy in a big and lousy Shakespearean play that closed like a clam and nothing flat. Go on. It was money down the drain. The guy's got nerve. He was in love with her and he figured she'd do anything for him. So he comes back to her to finance him again. This time in Hamlet, no less. I see. And I don't have to tell you what a flop that would be. 
You needn't tell me the actor's name either. You know? Mr. Barstow Young just left here. Yeah? Well, he's your man, Wolf. He got so sore when she told him she wouldn't toss any more moolah into his broken-down career, he went off his rocker and tore it down. Your reason for thinking so? I met him on the street one day, and he started beefing to me with blood in his eyes. So I could do not to punch him. The results might have been less fatal if you'd followed your instincts, sir. Ugh, I couldn't. Guy's built like a broomstick. He's weak as a cat. Hit him once, he'd crack like dry plaster. I see. Hmm. What's on your mind? This man you're accusing of Miss Stainer's murder, Mr. Hunter, he was very much in love with her. She was thinking about marrying him, he said. He said? Yes, he did. I heard him, too. He was talking to a skullcap. Ilsa wasn't going to marry anybody. No? No, she couldn't. Why couldn't she? Well, well, she just couldn't, that's all. So long. Well, now we got a perfect circle with everybody pointing at everybody else and nobody able to prove a thing. What Hunter says isn't impossible, Archie. You think Young did it? I don't think at all yet. But if there's anything more dangerous than a woman scorned, it's an actor scorned. We have another visitor. Yeah, who are you expecting? At this point, anybody. Hi. Oh, you. Yeah, I told you you might hear from me. Come on in. Who's this? A fellow runs the elevator at 22 Blanton Street. What do you got for me, kid? Postcard. Postcard? Here. The cops missed it, but I spotted the edge stuck under a rug. Nice of you to have delivered it. Maybe he was just being curious. Curious? It's not every elevator boy who has a chance to see Nero Wolf in the flesh. Oh, him? (laughs) Come off it, High Pockets. I'm here because you mentioned something about spending a few bucks. Oh. I wouldn't cross the street to see the best gumshoe that ever breathed. Look, gumshoes don't breathe, and how would you like a sucker? Archie, pay him and let him go. Yeah, pay me and let me go. Sure, Mr. Wolf. Here you are. Thanks. Don't mention it. Anytime, pal. Anytime. How do you like that fresh little punk? Archie, the lad has done us nobly. Yeah? A typewritten card addressed to Miss Ilsa Dina. What's it say? Rather peculiar message. Have you prayed tonight? It's signed with the single letter O. Have you prayed tonight? Yes. Signed O? Exactly. Weird, isn't it? Well, what's weird about it? What could be plainer? Have you prayed tonight? Now, I ask you, who is the man in this deal who's interested in praying? All of us, I hope, are God-fearing. All right, all right. But I ask you again, what does O stand for? It could stand for O'Brien, Obituary, Omaha. What about Oliphant? Oliphant, too. Uh, What's with this indifference? The case is cracking and you slough it off. You remember what Young said? Oliphant threatened to kill her because she wouldn't join that cockeyed movement of his. Don't exhaust yourself, Archie. We have a hard night ahead. Yes, but I don't understand. I don't mean to stifle your imagination, my friend. But if you'd reserve your deductions for a little while, you could lend me some much-needed assistance. What do you want? I want you to become a burglar. A burglar? I want you to hurry over to the dead woman's apartment on Branton Street and ransack it. For what? How do I know? We need help. Anything may help us. Go through the place with a fine tooth comb. I tore the late Miss Dana's apartment to shreds, but I saw nothing. 
Then, just as I was about to give it up as a bum job, I noticed a little writing desk in the living room. Bride loosed the lock and spotted something among a pile of papers that belonged to no well-to-do flat. It was a pawn ticket, lot 8N046, and the address was a pawn shop around the corner on 6th Avenue. It wasn't more than 90 seconds later that I walked into the joint and tossed the ticket across the counter. Oh, oh yeah, this, huh? Want to redeem it. And fast, up, huh, Pops? Yeah, it's nothing that's worth much, mister. No? No. Oh, what is it? This? Small steel filing box. Mm. Anything in it? I don't know. Come to me locked, never been able to get it open. We got it open, Wolf and I. Smashed the front end with a poker. There were some odds and ends inside, old earrings, some thumbtacks, a cigarette lighter, just trash. Then the boss stuck his fingers in and pulled out a plum. This is it. What do you mean, this is it? You fail to recognize this classic document? Huh? A marriage license, Archie. A marriage license. Yeah, well, whose marriage license? The wording is self-explanatory. Listen. This is to certify, etc., etc., thus licensing on this third day of May, 1946, the marriage of Miss Ilsa Dana to Mr. Johan Jaeger. Johan Jaeger? Exactly. Well, who in the world is Johan Jaeger? We'll soon see. I don't get it. I can understand. It's a befuddling little puzzle. It'll be very easy for one to make a fatal mistake here. But, of course, you won't. I won't. Three hours later, I'd herded all the suspects into the office, and he sat in his chair and glared at them. Oliphant, Young, and Hunter. It was tense and tight, and the boss let it stay that way, saying not a word to anybody while he calmly sipped his beer. It was Oliphant who cracked first. I didn't kill Ilsa. I couldn't have. Jealousy is a very compelling motive, Mr. Oliphant. And you came to me, remember, complaining that there was another man in Ilsa Dana's life? Whatever I complained about, and, and jealous as I was, I didn't kill her as the sacred power as my holy judge. Being unacquainted with your sacred power, I'd have to ask you for a better authority. Sacred power? Oh, it simply wouldn't have been possible for me to have done it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Because I... I was at Mickey's Night Owl Club last night from 7 until 4 a.m. Contemplating the sacred power, no doubt. That can be proved, Mr. Oliphant? Let me call now. Let the head waiter tell you. Hmm. Well, you take your embarrassment as an indication that you're telling the truth. Hey, wait a minute. You you can't let him off like that. Don't be bothersome, Archie. Yeah, but we got that card he wrote, the one about have, have you prayed tonight, signed with his initial. He didn't write that card, Archie. Now, look. And the O is not his initial, is it, Mr. Barstow Young? Uh, I'm afraid I, I don't understand. On the contrary, I'm afraid you do. But for the record, I'll explain. Oh, Archie. Yes, boss? Hand Mr. Young that large red volume off the shelf behind Mr. Hunter's head. This one? That one, thank you. Now then, Mr. Young, you will favor me by opening the volume to page 1133. But why? Open it, sir. Good. You will now count six lines down from the top and read what you see. Have you prayed tonight? Thank you, Mr. Yang. What the devil is going Mr. on? Mr. Yang has just given us a reading from a tragedy. The line, have you paid tonight, is spoken by the hero to the heroine just before he murders her. The name of the heroine is Desdemona. And the hero, as I'm sure you all know, is Othello. Othello? Yeah, the O was not Oliphant, Archie. 
A fellow, I think, was a Shakespearean play which Miss Dana financed for our Mr. Young. And knowing she would recognize the quotation as well as the threat behind it, he sent it to her to warn her that he meant to murder her. You won't have the unmitigated gall to deny that, will you, Mr. Young? No. No, I don't deny it. Do I call the police? But I didn't kill her. The fact that I sent the car doesn't mean I killed her. Well, it'll do for my money. But not for mine, Archie. What? Mr. Young couldn't have killed Miss Dana. Why not? Because he lacks the strength to strangle such a healthy young woman, a champion athlete. Wide awake and full of fight. He's rather a frail person, as we know. And smothering Miss Dana with that pillow was no easy task. She struggled. Therefore, she clawed the wrists of the murderer. I'm sure that if you examine Mr. Young's wrists, you will find no scratches or scars. Here, let me see that. Go ahead. Well, Archie? Yeah, you're right. Nothing. I was sure there wouldn't be. The person who actually killed Miss Dana was a powerful physical specimen. Yeah? Yes, Mr. Hunter. In all probability, a professional athlete. A muscular man in good condition. You pointing at me? Seems quite likely, doesn't it? You're out of your head. Am I? Yeah. Here's a Dana, war ihr Frau. Nicht wahr? Jawohl. I... I mean... You said yeah, Mr. Hunter. And you meant yeah, yes. I asked you in German if Elsa Dana was your wife, and you in the heat of emotion answered me yes in your mother tongue. Look, what's going on here? Allow me to present Mr. Johann Jaeger, Archie. Him? I've known it since we first saw that marriage license. You see, Jack Hunter is the English translation of our friend's real name back in Germany. Where he comes from, Mr. Johann Jaeger. What do you know? So you proved nothing. Yeah, I was married to Ilse. That's why I said she couldn't marry anybody else. But I didn't kill her. She was my wife. I loved her. Oliver told us you were insanely jealous of her. What if he did? You know better. Do we? Sure you do. You also told yourself over the phone that every word Oliphant said was a lie. Interesting. What is? How you could possibly know what Ilsa Dana told me over the phone. I haven't mentioned it to you or anybody else. Oh, well, well, you see... It... I see most clearly, Mr. Yeager, that you must have been in the apartment with her listening on the extension phone, or you couldn't possibly have that information... And it was only a few minutes after that telephone call that Ilsa Dana was smothered to death. And I see it's about time I said good night. Wait a minute, Jaeger. Wait a minute. Good work, Archie. I advise you to sit still, Mr. Johan Jaeger Hunter. I was right. I told you he threatened to kill her. But why? I've only guessed at the story. Reconstructed it, so to say. But I think you and Mr. Young are to be congratulated. On what, sir? On not having won your fair lady. You've always thought of her as a sweet, demure society girl. But actually, she was a vicious person, as bad as the man who killed her, if not worse. She tortured him cruelly for four long years. How can you say that about her? How can you doubt it, Mr. Oliphant? There must have been a great many men in her life. We know at least two, definitely, you and Mr. Young. But she was in love with me. She was in love with me. I'm sorry to shatter your illusions, but she was not in love with either of you. She was using you for her purpose. What was her purpose? Tementing the man she married. That was her preoccupation day and night. She delighted in tyrannizing over him. As one might in breaking a bull or taming a wild mustang. Do I come near the truth, Hunter? Yes. Until I couldn't stand it any longer. May I ask then why you married her? Why? Because I couldn't help myself. I 
crawled for her. I married her on the terms that nobody should ever know I was her husband. She was too good for me, she told me that to my face, over and over. That we belonged to different worlds. But I was crazy about her, so I took it. To what I've taken, you wouldn't believe. Oh, I'm sure I would, Mr. Hunt. I'm a very understanding man. The question is, will a jury believe you? And that we must begin to learn immediately. Archie. Yes, sir? Phone for Inspector Kramer. You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story by Peter Berry was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Herb Ellis as Archie Goodwin and Lee Millar, Marna Keneally, Larry Dobkin, Barney Phillips, and Jerry Hosner. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Headless Hunter. Don Stanley speaking. <laughs> Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. When you bought your linoleum floor coverings, you gave a great deal of attention to their colors and pattern and their quality. You wanted them to be just right for your home, and you hoped they'd last a long time and retain their original beauty. Well, as a matter of fact, good linoleum will last many years, indefinitely if it's properly cared for. But if it's scrubbed continuously, it breaks down and wears out. Well, now, fortunately, the proper way to care for it also saves you work and time. Johnson's self-polishing glow coat is so easy to use. It takes no rubbing or buffing shines itself as it dries. It protects the linoleum surface against dirt, moisture, and wear. Keeps original colors bright. Regular use of glow coat makes linoleum last six to ten times longer. No matter how old your linoleum now is, it'll pay you to protect it with self-polishing glow coat. And uh, when you put down new linoleum, be sure to give it glow coat protection from the first day.
there's anything the squire of 79 Wistful Vista likes to do, it's surprise his wife. And if there's anything that gives his wife cold chills, it's her husband's surprises. Get a load of him now, coming in the front door with a bag full of mushrooms he picked in the woods. As we meet, Fibber McGee and Molly. I got a surprise for you. Hey, Molly, look what I got. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? <laughs> oh, I'll give you a hint. What do you like with steak, kiddo? Piled way up high on top of it like this. Mashed potatoes. Oh. <laughs> McGee, now, if you brought home a paper bag full of mashed potatoes... <laughs> now... <laughs> ah, you're just not used to high-class eating, Molly. Here, look. My goodness, mushrooms. Yep. Make a dinner fit for a king. And you're looking at His Majesty, Fibber the First. They're beauties, ain't they? Lovely, but they're certainly dirty. Huh? You'd think a careful grocer would at least clean them before he sold them. Grocer? No grocer ever laid a mitt on one of these. I picked them myself. You pick... (laughs) (laughs) You betcha. You remember Nat Wolf? Yes. Well, I picked these mushrooms in that little patch of woods across the river from where the brewery is that Nat's uncle owns a half interest in it. Yes, but dearie... My gosh, since this warm spell set in, they're popping up all over the place. And nobody picking them. Had the place all exclusive to myself with nobody else there. Hmm. You don't suppose that's because other people might be afraid they were toadstools, do you? Toadstools? <laughs> that's ridiculous. If they'd have been toadstools, I wouldn't have picked them, would I? That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, don't they look good. I've had my puss puckered up for a mess of mushrooms ever since for I don't know how long ago. <laughs> and these are the best kind, too. Little button mushrooms. Yeah, that's the kind of a button you ring for an ambulance with. <laughs> You're not actually planning on eating those things. Not eating them? Why, certainly we're going to eat them. Steak and mushrooms. That's the menu for tonight. Why, you love steak and mushrooms. Look, dearie, I'm not easily frightened, but I don't want any mushrooms picked by amateurs. What? I'd just as soon skip rope with a high-tension wire. During an electrical store. Oh, now you're just being... Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hello, Alice. I didn't know you were home. Hi, Alice. I just got home. Were there any phone calls for me or anything? Just one, Alice. Sergeant Carling called. Oh, yes. Cliffy Carling. He's the one that's in the camouflage corps. Oh, I remember that guy. He used to stand out on the lawn disguised as a tree. (laughs) Never knew whether to shake hands with him or prune him. (laughs) Yeah, but you cured him of that when you started to car Fibber Loves Molly on his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he now, Alice? Well, I-, I don't know, but he said he was sending me a boomerang. A what? A boomerang. That's one of those sticks you can hit yourself in the head with if you throw it far enough. <laughs> oh, he must be in Australia. Well, I think so. Anyway, he says he sees a lot of those birds that think they're alone when they stick their heads in the sand. Oh, what do they call them? Isolationists. <laughs> Hey, Alice, don't make any plans for dinner. We're having steak and mushrooms. Steak and mushrooms? Oh, jeepers. I love mushrooms, Mr. McGee. I was going to a chop suey place, but now you couldn't get me out of here with a ten-ton truck driven by Van Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Mr. Johnson to stop for me and honk twice. (laughs) This is really going to be a treat, Alice. I picked the mushrooms myself. Well, I simply... What? (laughs) He picked the mushrooms himself, Alice. He can tell a mushroom from a toadstool from a mile away, and I wish he had. But don't, uh, uh, don't people get sick from, I mean, isn't picking mushrooms in the woods sort of dangerous? Oh, sure it is, liable to get pneumonia walking around on the wet grass. <laughs> I always wear my overshoes. Oh, no, I... I well, I'm I... glad one person around here appreciates the finer things to eat, Alice. 
Mrs. McGee doesn't think she wants any mushrooms. Mrs. McGee gets cold chills up and down her girdle at the very thought. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess Alice and I can eat all of them. Hey, Alice, we'll have us a feast. Oh, gee, you... I just happened to think, Mr. McGee, hmm? I promised Monty Fraser I'd go out with him tonight for uh, uh, for dinner. I forgot this was Wednesday. But this is and... just Tuesday. Oh, I mean Tuesday. Anyway, I thought it was, well, jeepers, I better run up and get into my mink-dyed rabbit. I'm uh, terribly disappointed, Mr. McGee. I love mushrooms, but, well, see you both later, I hope. Why is everybody so scared? Anybody think I didn't know a real mushroom when I saw it? Well, tell anybody to move over and make room for me. Well, I don't care what anybody else has for dinner. I'm having steak and mushrooms. And I'll get somebody to eat them with me, too. Hand me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me Dr. Gamble's office at the north end of Mert. Is that you? Oh, dear. Oh, every little thing, Mert. Tis, uh... What's say, Mert? Your old man. Hiring a kite again, eh? Isn't that awful? No, he couldn't buy a kite for his little nephew, so he's hiring one for a week. <laughs> what say, Mert? Okay, thanks a lot. Doc's not in. Hey, where's my cookbook, Molly? I seen a recipe in there for mushroom gravy that's out of this world. Well, I don't know, but you will be too if you eat it. Come on, Molly, you know the cookbook I mean. That old-fashioned one that kids around about using butter. <laughs> oh, I know where I put it. Where'd you put it? Right here in the hall. Oh, oh. Somewhere in this. Ah, here it is. Right where I put it. Between the moose head and my old mandolin. <laughs> Heavenly days, the way that stuff falls out of here, don't tell me you know where to look for things. Why, sure, I got it organized. I always throw it in the closet in the same order, and it always falls out in the same order. <laughs> ah, scientific and logical. <laughs> See? Snowshoes go in first, 
Then the moose head. Bull moose. Then the tennis racket. And the ice skates. Then the uh, skid chains? No, no, then the camera tripod. Ah, and then the skid chain. Now all the little stuff. Picture frames, tennis rackets. Last, my old mandolin. Well, that takes you. Hey, where's my cookbook? Back in the closet between the moose head and the mandolin. What? You mean I threw it back in the... Oh, well. <laughs> now, Beulah's probably got a good recipe for mushrooms anyway. Hey, Beulah. Oh, Beulah. Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> Uh, Mr. McGee wishes to discuss tonight's dinner menu with you. It's a sort of a culinary last will and testament. <laughs> last who and which, ma'am? Skip it, Beulah. Look, we're going to have steak and mushrooms for dinner tonight. Can you handle an assignment like that, Beulah? Miss McGee, ma'am, this is equivalent to asking Mr. Kaiser, can he build a rowboat? <laughs> mushrooms is one of the fondest things I am of cooking. I got me a prescription for mushroom gravy I've been just itching to try out. Well, you can scratch now. I can scratch now. <laughs> my, my, he start right off. I was fixing to cook some grease for dinner tonight, but I, I can hold them till tomorrow. You were uh, going to fix what for tonight? Some grease. Grease? What kind of grease? Just plain little old grease. Huh? <laughs> Mr. Toop sent him over, been in deep freeze since he went hunting last fall. Oh, you mean grouse. But there's two of them, ma'am. <laughs> two grouses is greasy, ain't they? No, Beulah, the plural is the same as the singular, like fish. Yes, I sure do. <laughs> Particular catfish, but I better get down to the grocery and get the stuff, up. You know, I like to select the mushrooms myself. Oh, just get a steak, Beulah. Mr. McGee already has the mushrooms. Somebody give them to you, sir? Nope. I picked them myself out by the brewery this morning, Beulah. Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? I just rehearsed my phone call to the hospital, sir. Uh-oh, <laughs> 729. Hospital? My pop always said that when you picked your own mushroom, you was taking a long chance on a short life. Uh, now, let's not be silly about this. I'll take the entire responsibility. I'll cook the mushrooms myself. After all, my reputation in these mushrooms will be just alike. How do you mean, McGee? They'll both be at stake, won't they? Uh-huh. His reputation in mushrooms is sticky. <laughs> <laughs> Love them, <that> man. <laughs> Look, McGee, you're not really serious about eating those toads or those mushrooms, are you? I certainly I am. Mushrooms are good for you. Full of vitamins and iodine. Iodine is good for the styroid. Thyroid. Huh? It isn't sty, it's thigh, if you'll pardon the expression. Well, anyway, everybody knows mushrooms are highly nourishing, and there isn't anybody that... Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. You like mushrooms? <laughs> Why, I love them. You want some? I'll tell you where to get them. Go see my cousin, Big Ozzy Wilcox. He's on 14th Street there. You tell him No, that... Mr. Wilcox, no. Uh, pardon? I got some, Junior. A whole bag of them. Just wondered if you'd be in the mood for a mushroom dinner tonight. With steak. Would I? Say, if you're having steak and mushrooms, you couldn't blast me out of here with a block, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> 
You mind if I call my wife and tell her I won't be home? Go right ahead, Mr. Wilcox, but I think McGee ought to tell you that he picked... I picked you to have dinner with me, Junior, because I and you are mushroom lovers. Go on, call a little woman and tell her you're tying on the nose bag over here tonight. Here. Okay. Hello, operator. Give me Wistful Vista 13724. That's right. Look, McGee, I think you ought to warn Mr. Wilcox those mushrooms aren't exactly... Hello, Punky Wonk. This is sweet stuff. Oh, my God. Been married five years and still Cupid, stupid. Uh, listen, Fudge Puss, I won't be home for dinner tonight. No, with Fibber and Molly. Steak and mushrooms. Yeah, sure, I'll be thinking of you, baby, when I put sugar in my coffee. Ah, is this drip really necessary, Junior? <laughs> Quiet, pal, I can't hear. Uh, what'd you say, Snooky Pook? She did. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't there, but if she calls back, tell her that Johnson's wax is the perfect way to protect leather goods. Yeah, and tell her about how it protects lampshades and windowsills and floors and furniture, too. Against wear and dirt and dampness. You know, you'd think she'd know that story as well as he does by this time. <laughs> she probably hung up on him long ago, and he's just talking for our benefit. He's always... Uh, what's that, baby? Oh, sure, Johnson's wax saves hours of housework because it makes surfaces so much easier to keep clean. Hmm? Well, tell her I'll send her a folder from the office. Okay, lamb chop. Huh? Oh, wait a minute. I'll find out. What time are you having dinner, Molly? Well, about 6.30, Mr. Wilcox. McGee is cooking it himself, so it'll probably be a little later than usual. Yeah, nobody else will have anything to do with these mushrooms, Junior, in spite of the fact I picked them myself. You picked them yourself? <laughs> Hello, Angel Puss. I've changed my mind. I'll be home for dinner. <laughs> yeah, bye now. Gee, I'm sorry, folks. I just remembered I've got to sit up with a sick friend tonight. Who? You. So long now. <laughs> Gosh, you'd think I was deliberately going out of my way to poison everybody. Oh, not everybody, dearie. Just a few intimate friends. <laughs> Look, let's throw out these mushrooms or toadstools as the case may be. Throw them out in the alley. No, and... sir. By George, now I got my back up. <laughs> I don't care how many other rats desert the sinking ship. I'm staying with it. I'm having these mushrooms for dinner tonight if they could... Well, I'm having them. <laughs> All right, pet. I only hope you do get Dr. Gamble to come for dinner. Though who'll take care of him, I don't know. I'll go out and fix the salad. At least I'll have the satisfaction of knowing that's okay. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. I can read her like a book. She'll watch Doc and me for a couple hours after dinner, and if we don't fold up, she'll sneak out and eat the rest of the mushrooms. <laughs> Only there won't be any more mushrooms. Between me and Doc, we can account for it. Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, Teeny. Come on in. <laughs> Gee, what you got in the bag, mister? Candy, mister? Can I have a piece? Hmm? Can I have a piece? Now, if it was candy, you'd can I have a piece, all right, sir. <laughs> it happens to be a bag of mushrooms. Hmm? I says this bag is full of mushrooms. You know what mushrooms are? Sure I do, I bet you. My daddy told me. He did, eh? Hmm? I says he did, eh? He did what? Your daddy told you what mushrooms are. I know it. <laughs> what are they? Well, they're not particularly beautiful, sis. They look like the buttons off your Uncle Elmer's old overcoat. <laughs> but properly cooked, they make old ladies leap up and kiss the busboy. <laughs> Here, take a look. Oh, Jiminy, toadstools. <laughs> they are not toadstools, they're mushrooms. And there's a lots of difference. What is the difference, mister? You mean you never heard about the origin of mushrooms and toadstools, sis? No. Well, sir, it's a fascinating little hunk of natural history, sis. Oh. Recline in that rocker and rest your rompers while I give you the lowdown. Okay, mister. Gee, you haven't told me a story for a long time. Well, this is a doozer, sis. Once upon a time... I've heard it. You haven't heard this one. I'm ad-libbing. Hmm? Skip it. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a great forest that was full of little people. 
You know about the little people? Sure I do, I bet you. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> I mean little people like elves and pixies and leprechauns and fairies. Uh... Well, sir, half of these little people were bad little people, and half of them were good little people. Gee. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. The good little people were always happy. Swimming in the buttercups after the rain, <laughs> eating honey out of the flowers, listening to Jack in the pulpit on Sundays and everything. <laughs> but the bad little people were always snarling and nasty to each other and to the good little people. Uh-huh. Well, even good people won't stand being pushed around too much. So one day they had a terrible battle there in the woods. Oh, they were throwing acorns, beating the bajunior out of each other with twigs, <laughs> throwing each other into gopher holes. Just generally raising cane. Uh. And finally, the king of the forest heard the ruckus and told him to break it up. Quit the quarreling. But the bad little people wouldn't, and the good little people couldn't. And that made the king angry. And he waved his magic wand, and boom! The good little people were turned into mushrooms, and the bad little people were turned into toadstools. Mm. That's why toadstools are so poisonous, and mushrooms are so good. See? Gee, that's a wonderful story, mister. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good myself. I can hardly wait to tell my teacher. Hmm? I bet you it'll revise her entire schedule of nature study, I bet you. Huh? What do you mean? <laughs> you know what? She's still laboring under the delusion that mushrooms and toadstools are a clammy fungus growth that live parasitically upon decaying vegetable matter and are produced from thread-like spores disseminated by the wind and grazing animals. Huh? Just wait till I tell her that the lack of chlorophyll has little or nothing to do with their development. <laughs> The King's Man and Evelina. Evelina, sweet Evelina, won't you come out, come out? Hey, can't you hear me, Evelina? Won't you ever take a shine to that moon? Evelina, ain't you bothered by the bobolinks tune? Tell me, tell me how long you're gonna keep Delaying the day Don't you reckon it's wrong Trifling with April this way Evelina, won't you pay a little mind to me soon Evelina, are you going to keep me fretting till June Wake up, wake up The old earth is fair and fine You're so stubborn, Molly. You're just doing yourself out of a wonderful steak and mushroom dinner. 
Boy, when you see Doc Gamble and me turn into them mushrooms... Oh, Dr. Gamble, did you finally get him? Oh, sure, didn't I tell you? Oh, I got him. The minute I said steak and mushrooms over the phone, he let out a holler and you could hear him knocking patients right and left trying to get out of his office. How's Beulah coming with the steak? Oh, it looks beautiful, but I'm afraid I'm not going to enjoy it much. Hmm? I can't sit there and eat calmly while my husband deliberately poisons himself and... Ah, don't talk silly, Molly. I wouldn't eat them if I didn't know they were good. I guarantee every one of these mushrooms personally. That's going to be a lot of help when the coroner starts patting my hand and tells me to be brave, though. (laughs) Poo for the coroner. That political hyena has... Ah, my dinner guest. Come in, come in, come in. Hello, doctor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee, my dear boy. You know what you've done? What have I done, Doc, old sock? You've made me a very happy man. Ah, steak and mushrooms. Well, personally, Doctor, I'm glad you came. I think it's always nice to have a physician around at dinner time in case, well, if something should develop, I mean... (laughs) What she's worried about, Doc, is that these mushrooms might be toadstools. (laughs) Why, you silly girl. In 23 years of medical practice, I've learned every possible way in which people can make darn fools of themselves. (laughs) But I've never had a case of mushroom poisoning when the purchase was made from a reputable dealer. Did I say something wrong? What are you staring at each other for? Well, speak up. What's the matter? Tell it, McGee. Well, Dad, rat it just because a guy goes out into the woods and picks a mess of mushrooms and asks a friend... Wait a minute. You picked your own mushrooms? Yes, I did. Why, you murderous little maverick? What? You combination of Jack the Ripper, Lucrezia Borgia, Jekyll and Hyde, and baby-faced Nelson? You perjuring little poisoner? On the other hand, Doctor, they might... On the other hand, brass knuckles. Does this half-baked nature faker think he has a gift for picking edible mushrooms out of 30,000 varieties of deadly fungi? Now, just a darn minute, Dr. Jamble. You don't need a thing... Neither do you, you ignorant ninny. Well, you got a lot of moxie inviting me over here for a, quote, mushroom, unquote, dinner. Couldn't you kill me off some easy way? Attach a bomb to my self-starter, push me off a cliff, even stab me. But toadstools? Gad. <laughs> Maybe you just let me explain. You're lucky you're not explaining this to the district attorney, you bloated little bluebeard. If I only... Say, look, you're serving the steak and mushrooms separately? Oh, yes, doctor. I'm going to have some steak myself. Yeah, I thought it might be better. It might be better if I stayed, yes. I think so, too. I'm starved for a steak. And I'll be handy when little stupid here starts to fold up. Excuse me a minute. Hey, where are you going, doc? Out to the car to get my satchel. Huh? I want to have everything ready when you start screaming and turning blue. Well, I'll go see about the salad. I'll run over to the drugstore and get some cigars. We'll be ready. Ah, well, that was wonderful. More steak, Doc? Ah, no thanks, McGee. I'm so full of beef now, I'm afraid I'll meet Roy Rogers on the way home. (laughs) Shall we have the coffee in the living room, boys? Oh, let's wait and have it in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Uh, How do you feel, McGee? Fool me? Oh, I feel fine, Doc. Kind of full, but otherwise great. Hmm. You kids passed up a wonderful dish when you refused the mushrooms. There's still a couple left. Who wants them? Okay, I'll finish them myself. Shame to throw them out. Um, 
Any symptoms of cramp, McGee? Any sensation of nausea? Why, no, Doc. I feel wonderful. Only thing I'm suffering from is loss of appetite. <laughs> well, how soon can I breathe easy, Doctor? Oh, give him another ten minutes, Molly. If nothing happens, I'm going to write an article for the AMA Journal. We're making medical history. Any man who has the colossal effrontery to pick his own mushrooms and eat them is crowding his luck too far. Doggone it, I tried to explain to you about that. But you kept shouting at me, so I shut up. Explain about what, dearie? About how everybody was so nervous about my own mushrooms that I threw them out. What? Why, you... Why, I ran over to the grocery and got these. Hey, where's the toothpicks? I thought... Yes, my boy. It's a cosmic injustice, but you'll live to make a pig of yourself many more times. Give him two more of these pills in an hour, Molly. Uh, Was it the mushrooms, Doctor? It was indeed. Not the quality, but the quantity. Just remember this, McGee. More people die from a fork in the mouth than from a knife in the back. Good night. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry and inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be here next week when I'll bring you more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.